Hi, and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Oh. <laughs> okay, here we go. Rachel Service, I am so excited to have you as a guest on She's the Boss Chats. Thank you so much for agreeing to it. Oh, beyond thrilled. Thanks for having me, Jules. Oh, my absolute pleasure. So let's start off with telling everyone what it is that you're doing now and why. Just a nice small question to start us off. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Straight in the deep end. Oh, As an yeah. introvert, uh, I like to go deep early, so that sounds pretty cool to me. Uh, I'm the CEO of Happiness Concierge. We are a cultural consultancy helping organizations save millions of dollars across the globe. And as for me, I'm loving leading the firm and the team I'm honored to do it beside. So what does Happiness Concierge actually do? I know you said leading organisations. Is it making everyone happy? <laughs> that definitely <laughs> plays a role. Yeah. So celebrating our sixth birthday this week. So happy birthday Oh, congratulations. To oh, thank you. Yeah, the work we do is essentially helping organisations with culture. So right. often culture can be seen as a bit of a feel-good, uh, vague word. And uh, we've created a system, a framework rather, where we apply our world-class culture framework and help organisations be more impactful, more efficient, uh, right. Uh, help with the bottom line if that helps as well and of course ensure that employees are aligned engaged and motivated to put their best foot forward at work and the confluence of all of those factors have helped us save thousands of dollars and eventually millions across the globe simply from working differently and working with intention and being aligned to what you're there to do so we help people be happier more impactful and have a good time you know that's amazing so two things caught my ear out of that one the first one is all over the world you an Australian company that's servicing businesses around the world or is this part of a group? Yes, exactly. The former. So I'm based here in Melbourne. We have a team across Australia and we service uh, organisations across the globe. The gift of the modern way of working has enabled us to reach even more people outside of Australia. But it was definitely started in Melbourne in my bedroom at the desk oh, writing good. a blog I'm six years I'm, ago. So it's not always been so jet city. <laughs> oh, that's the story I love to hear. And why Happiness Concierge? What? What? Why the name? Well, I was inspired by these fitness concierges I'd heard about in New York City, where they would wake you up, audit, you know, book your spin class, get you out of your house, bring along an espresso, and you couldn't have any excuses. I like the yeah. idea you couldn't have excuses. And I thought, well, what am I interested in? You know, um, I'm interested in people achieving their best, whether it's in life and work. So, what does that look like? Well, I call that happiness, and we get yes. to define what happiness looks like to us. So, happiness concierge had a pretty neat ring to it. The it URL does. was was somewhat pretty. So, uh, <laughs> applied no, for that. It's and amazing. and you're always so smiley and happy. I mean, this is only the second oh. time we've spoken, but it sounds like a very apt name for you. So talk to me about why you came up with the idea. Was there a light bulb moment? Did something happen that made you go, this is it, I'm going to do it? <laughs> yeah, there absolutely is a well-documented reason. Um, and as they say, nothing changes if nothing changes. And it was six, eight years ago now where I'd experienced depression, anxiety, and adrenal fatigue, commonly known as burnout. Oh, and I challenge no. any entrepreneur who hasn't experienced anything like that. Uh, yes, and I'd, I've heard so you, many. You, oh, there are just so many women that have this happen to them. Okay, so it happened to you as well. Exactly. And I was pretty talented at it. I'd done two great burnouts, done the therapy. Oh, uh, Lord. Yeah, it it wasn't great. And it all came to a head where I thought, oh, right, I've got to get my life in order. I know what I'll do. There's just one person I reckon who could help me sort my life out. And who did you think that was, Jules? You, yourself. Beyonce. Oh! (laughs) Well, really, now that you think about it, there's not a big difference. But anyway, so how did Beyonce help you? Well, I booked, I was living in Melbourne and I booked a ticket to her New York City concert and I thought, right, this is going to be great, really motivational, get my life back, you know, feeling really good about stuff. And I just couldn't, I couldn't actually enjoy any of the concert all through, uh, 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 oh, to no. I can see your halo. I was just crying. I was in 
mess. I couldn't put a ring on anything. I was just oh, sobbing. Oh, no. And well, I was what, in did, the... what did it bring out? What did the concert bring out in you that you that made you so sad? Well, I think it was a culmination of years of being really tired, uh, years of doing work, which I enjoyed, but it wasn't aligned with, aligned with what energized me. Right. Uh, and then also a recent, you know, heartbreak didn't hurt or help. Or, no, especially um, not when kind you're of... to Beyonce in New York and thinking, I wish there was someone here doing it with me. But look exactly. what happened out of it. So, you know, thank you to the boyfriend or whoever it was that you split up with. So, which leads me perfectly into your story. So, oh. let's start with I don't know. I don't know whether we want to start with primary school or high school, but it's somewhere around there. Um, and I'd love to know what kind of a family you grew up with and were your parents role models or were you one out of the box? Oh, one out of the boxes. It's definitely not the first time I've heard that. Um, but what a lovely question. I'm, I'm so fortunate to have an incredible relationship with my parents and my family. I'm the daughter of a salesman and a teacher, now academic. Oh. And so I think I've kind of become a passionate mashup of them all. Yes, and yes. I'm one of five children. I'm the second. And they say the second's wow, a bit right. more, you know, the cheekier one, aren't they? So Yes, they are, because I'm I'm the first and we always had to be, you know, really good and and leading my mum always used to say, What kind of an example are you setting for your brothers? And then, you know, only for me when I was I think I was about twenty and I went to a nightclub in Melbourne and my fifteen year old brother was there and I said, Oh my God, I can't even believe you're out. And he said, I said, you know, like, aren't you going to get killed by mum? I wouldn't have even thought of it. And he was like, nah, we just, me and my mate said we were at each other's houses. We crawled out the window and off we are. And I was like, I just wouldn't have thought of it being the eldest child. Never. Exactly. So you're the role model in that scenario. You're helping your siblings see, you're helping set them up for success and protect them. Let's say I was. I think it's it's the tables have turned now. But anyway, back to you. So you grew up with the second of of five boys and girls. Is there a mixture? Yeah, a real combo. So three Three girls, two boys, and nice. I was enthusiastic number two. And, you know, you couldn't take me anywhere without me, you know, creating a dance from scratch. You know, there wasn't oh, a moment wow. where I wasn't trying to put on a concert or create a speech made this of, you know, whatever. doesn't sound like an introvert to me. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And yet I'm a raging introvert. So really? um, I think that's been a big learning for me in that I love the, obviously I love the opportunity to have conversations like this and share my story. Uh, the flip side to that is needing deep, a lot of alone time together. And now, you right. know, living with my spouse during COVID, you know, we're both really intense introverts. So I think, well, I really love you, but can you for a little bit right. so I can have some time? But um, uh, the reason I thought to share that is because with my burnout journey, I just hadn't really connected the part of, right, part of me re-energizing and topping up the tank is a lot of time alone. And when you're yeah, really right. busy, there's not a lot of time to go, oh, uh, when am I topping up my tank until, uh-oh, oh gosh, I'm quite tired. Oh, I'm quite sad. Oh, I'm not fulfilled at all. How do I get out of here? And it wasn't until that Beyonce concert where I thought, oh, I've, I do have agency. I do have control. What I need to do is learn how to insert boundaries and actually get clear on what I do want and I'm allowed I'm allowed to evolve that I don't need to yeah. know the answer I'm allowed to kind of discover and put myself out there and practice with boundaries Ooh, gulp and <laughs> <laughs> as I started to share my story and share these tools people resonated with that and soon enough somebody said oh can you come and do a talk about that I thought oh who's going to care about that who else has burnout and she said oh um just a gut feeling just see if there's anyone else out there you might feel the same and then from that um, the partner I was delivering with said would you do a workshop and I said I'll be honored that'd be great and someone in that class said oh can you send me your corporate rates after that workshop and I went what is a yep absolutely and you know definitely use my phone a friend moment to say zero on the end I think if it's corporate rates that's what I learned that's what I learned I didn't even know what that term meant six years ago I just I just said yes and figured out later (laughs) Right. Okay. So we've got an introverted girl who loved being on the stage and dancing when she was younger. So what was secondary school like for you? Were you happy at school? Did you enjoy it? I was happy and I was also really naughty. I think I was... (laughs) 
you know I'm I love just, that I, that sounds like me <laughs> <laughs> yeah um you know I'm in my I was in my own head in my creative world I had incredible access to educate education support our home was an incredibly loving and supportive and pro learning education uh type of type of house so I have any excuse for being a real brat at secondary school I was naughty I got suspended I smoked inside I created a news a gossip newsletter under a pseudonym I soon learned I you well, soon learned I loved writing. Right. I, yeah, I was just t- what totally, amazing na- girl totally you were. naughty. Okay. So but you know you, what? Yeah. In that high school, in a small class, a math teacher took me aside and said, Look, I'd like to work with you one on one. And she took the time to work with me in a different way. And I found a whole other access to another area of concentration. And that small moment taught me, wow, if you just learn, if you just take the time to get to know who you have the honor of, of, of being with in a classroom, then anything is possible. So um, never forget those moments of people, just the power of someone taking you seriously. Even if you're naughty and you're playing up and you're being the class clown, we all have a need to want to be, you know, seen and taken seriously so. absolutely and and I mean I'm, I'm talking about it I've got uh, 15 year old twin boys now but we were literally talking about the difference a great teacher makes you know I mean it's funny I watch them go from loving science to hating science and I'm like why you loved it last year and it's always about the teacher always wow. so if you wow. have that teacher that just champions you and says takes you aside and says you're a little bit special that's all you really need to go okay maybe I could look at myself differently and and Okay, so anyway, you finished school. What did you do then? Uh, I went to university in Dunedin yep. in New Zealand and uh, I sailed through that, really enjoyed that. What did you do? Uh, and, uh, what did I do? A Bachelor of Arts in Film and Media Studies, oh, minoring fuck. in Gender Studies. And I didn't have a view of what I was going to do with that, but I knew that there was this currency in the world which meant if you had a degree, that's an instant uh, door opener. So to be honest, I don't think I was particularly attached to needing to do a certain type of uh, degree, but I, I had had access to, I've been privileged to have an access to a world where I knew certain things were door openers. So I was absolutely going to do that. Right. So sailed through uni and loved it, which I have to say, I did very similar, you and I. I did a media studies degree as well, but <laughs> I just you? did psych. Yeah. Oh, um, so were you watching Citizen Kane and then analysing what it all meant? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> exactly. Exactly that. And then we had to watch everything from Deep Throat to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I remember just the going, highlights oh. then. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of an eye-opener for me anyway. Um, okay, so um, what, what was the first job after you finished school oh. <laughs> or finished uni? <laughs> My <Why> first does- <laughs> job was $18,000 a year as a sales rep and I had no idea what I was selling. I had no idea it was a sales job. I had no idea.com. But Are I you really serious? enjoyed you it. Just all these- oh, absolutely. The confidence of a of anyone is confidence with no experience in the workforce, right. you know, a lot of confidence. Ignorance so, is bliss. Oh, <laughs> exactly. And I often remind myself of that when I think about happiness concierge as we scale and grow and I think, give me back to the days where I didn't know any better. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but back to the first job, a sales rep. And, or, you know, when I was little, when I was seven, I was like, I'm going to have a grown-up job. I'm going to wear a suit and there will be a clipboard involved. That's as far as, you know, my dreams went. So as far as I'm concerned, I was living the high life. I was getting paid to go to work. I mean, that blew my mind. I didn't know that was an entrepreneurial streak. Uh, and in the end, as um, as that part of the business evolved, it later, that business later dissolved. But as part of that role, I started to extend myself into creating content. And I create this work uh, workbook. I'm in happiness concierge land. Sorry, I created this um <laughs> brochure back in the day and I would create the content I'd um, uh, interview all the it was a fashion label interview all the fashion suppliers and partners with with, you know a bribe the designer to lay it out with a pizza over the weekend and then I would get in the car my RAV4 that I I borrowed from my parents and I would drive all over Wellington and I'd hand delivered these bloody brochures Um, and I just loved every minute so Something about creating something from scratch, doing a project, you know, seeing the end result. I just and also getting out and meeting people. I think. I mean, I was a sales rep as well, just to talk about our parallel lives. That was. I went from telemarketing into sales rep. I think as my second job. 
But in telemarketing, I, I, I mean, that's a lesson in rejection oh and God. persistence. <laughs> Same with public relations. You know, I'd, I'd find 50 people a day and one of them might bother to might. answer my email or question. Might. So it's a great lesson in resilience and not taking anything seriously. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, that's right. personally, not taking anything personally. But also, yeah, but also not taking it too seriously. I mean, in yeah. the end, you know, it, especially for me, I was very aware it was someone else's business. So, I mean, I was happy to help them yes. grow. But I think always in my mind I'd been thinking, I might go out on my own. But anyway, right. so, so you work for this fashion label in New Zealand. <laughs> what next? What came next? <laughs> what, what's so funny? I think I'm just laughing because, you know, blind optimism can really lend you some great gigs. And I... <laughs> <laughs> My next job was being a communications coordinator at Chamber Music New Zealand. And that was working wow. with, yeah, talk about a, oh, a no, actually there was a role before that. No, no. Well, my LinkedIn will tell, tell everyone the right order, but whatever yeah, order exactly. it was in. We just want the stories. Yes, exactly. Oh. <laughs> Chamber Music New Zealand, yes. And so I was working with them and it was my first exposure to classical music. And right. in the nighttime, I was in a rock band as well. So during the day, I would support um, people who were in a small a small orchestral setup to communicate, understand their story, communicate it, tour them across New Zealand, liaise with media. And then at 5 wow. p.m. I would log off and I would get on my black jeans and high heels and I would rehearse and do a sound check. And then, you know, as an introvert, I have to stay awake till 1am 1, 1 until a bloody gig was. And then... Yeah, what, what, were, you a, were you the singer? Were you the lead singer? I was the singer. I'm happy to sing a menu. I'm happy to sing a certificate. I'm right. just happy to be there. So I was the singer. Um, and far out, we had so much fun. We had so much fun. So tell yeah. me about this band. Like, did you tour? Like, how big did it get? I mean, did you <laughs> play once a week? Did you get, like, a local gig? I, I mean, I was in a band, but we didn't get out of the garage. So tell me about yours. <laughs> well, I don't know that we had ambitions to do anything other than have fun, but absolutely, we got gigs, we toured New Zealand, we got a wow. press. We, I think we got a number one for a track called Disco Disco, which was, like, four four on the floor dance track and oh, how wonderful. it was so much fun and I think what made it so much fun is that we all had our day jobs yeah. and so we weren't reliant on the creativity to create an income we're able to go yeah. great our day job's done let's have some fun and the memories and the photos and the memories. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness you'll have to you'll have to send me a photo to share with this of you I'm sure you had big hair I feel like you had a big hair did you Oh, uh, what did I have? I had skin tight jeans. I was tiny, and that's all, always what you forget when you get a bit older. Like, oh, I want, I go, can't remember. I know the f- you know, should have owned it more. <laughs> skin tight jeans, high heels. There was definitely a uniform, leather jacket, racy yep. singlet, yeah, yeah, red lipstick. Nothing's Head changed band. except the corporate suit now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I was happy to be there and just working with extremely talented people. Um, and I think that. I remember interviewing a musician once and I remember saying to them, gosh, you're so talented. Why do you think your work is not more widely known? And they said to me, oh, Rachel, I am talented. Thank you. And I really love it, but I just don't have any ambition. I'm not interested in achieving something with this. And I've I've never forgot that. I never forgot to apply. Is this something where I'm wanting to apply ambition or is this a creative pursuit? Not that they have to be separate. Do I want to bring those two worlds together? Maybe I do. And I have in my latest book, which I'll talk about, I'm sure, a bit later but yes. more to the point uh do I need to imply ambition to everything I do and can I establish my expectations of success around that so I've definitely got a personal link to the creative community because I've lived it and um I also find it incredibly inspiring obviously yeah yeah so do I oh my goodness I'm so loving your story all right so what came next so you'd work you worked at the chamber orchestra go on yes. I can see that whoa what happened <laughs> that was awesome then I had an incredible opportunity at Weta Workshop the home of Peter Jackson and the Lord of the Rings franchise. No. Yes. So 
I'd actually never heard of that fancy movie before I got the job interview, but I thought that was, you know, I was completely um, from another world. So um, I worked that winter workshop to share their story. So I go down downstairs to where everyone be making um, zombies and witches and incredible creatures from the future, and yeah. I'd interview them about their stories, their creative practice, and what they're wanting to do. And I'd share that on our website, on our blog. I think we had a MySpace page for them, and I was even had a what did I have? At one point, I was sent to, <laughs> I was just remembering it, I was sent to San Diego Comic Con to be the weather bug and I had a red wig and antennae and my job <laughs> to report the stories and I loved every minute. I loved content. I loved getting stories. I found it inspiring because I think what I find really inspiring is when anyone is applying uh, a rigor of thought around something that they're passionate about. And, you know, I can learn, we can all learn so much from that, but don't you just find it inspiring when you're speaking to someone who's telling you about the specific glue they used to to help with this? (laughs) It's just beyond inspiring. And I think I was there for about two years and I just, I love every day, loved it. Loved it. Oh, wow. So was that like a PR role or were you just creating content for social? Were you going out to the media as well? Oh, and, uh, oh, oh what, what were we doing? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. So at that time it was, oh, my gosh, it was so long ago. I was doing for the website and for the media. Um, so it Amazing. was uh, it was a lot. But, you know, when you're young, you, none of that scares you. You just think, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I can't wait yeah. to share this with the world. I think at one point we got a six-page spread in Wired magazine and, oh, oh wow. yeah, all these memories are coming back to me. Oh, it was so cool. It was so cool. Well, and I got to meet plenty to- of people that I you know, signed an NDA about, got plenty of famous people, and everyone's just the same, yeah. aren't they? We're all lovely. But it's all exciting. They are. In fact, I remember I got um, – I went to the Sydney Mardi Gras while that was being filmed and Ian McKellen had come over and a couple of others and I stood behind him in the toilets in the special events place. Oh, la, la. Put <laughs> I that on your CV. Uh, no, there you go. I've met him. I think he, he looked at me very unimpressed. I have a feeling I was queuing up to get into the men's because the ladies' queue was too long or something. But <laughs> anyway. Said, you too shall not pass <laughs> or something like that, is it? Something along those lines. <laughs> so what in heaven's name can you do after you've left a job like that? <laughs> what, what was next? Because that just sounds incredible. Uh, it was. Or did you it burn out? Saying... I mean, at what stage did the first burnout come? Because this is all, they're all very big jobs. Yes. So the first burnout happened when I was at the Chamber Music Organization. And right. can I just say on a personal level, they were beyond thoughtful, kind, considerate. Okay. And they helped. It's the first time I'd, I'd had an episode like that and yeah. I'd, I'd moved back to my parents and no, none of us had a dialogue or an understanding or a language. And so they actually liaised directly with my parents to say, help us understand how we can support Rachel. How can we get oh. her back to house? I mean, it's, I mean, talk about like an experience that is like imprinted on your mind. It is possible to support your people through times that you can't possibly anticipate when you take the time to understand what they are going through. Um, And so that just that, that level of duty of care never, never left my psyche in terms of what could be possible. No, Um, I mean, that's extraordinary. That's fantastic to hear that they were so supportive. So so you come out of that, then you go and do this absolutely ridiculously full-on job working in the media as a young girl with all these stars. Why did you leave there and what what, what was the next job? Yeah. So about two years in, so first of all, I've never been afraid to leave somewhere before having a next step. Um, I've always felt comfortable in the extreme optimism. Something else will come. And I think belief that I know that I work to I work the hardest when I'm passionate about something. And if it's interesting to me, I will do it. So the reason I'm telling you that is two years in, I was noticing people were moving from other countries to work at Weta Workshop. They were right. relocating. They were recal- relocating their lives. They were moving countries to work here. And I thought to myself, am I holding a seat that someone who is an 11 out of 10 in passion is ready to take both the, the role to the next level. You know, obviously I've only yeah. got what I understand, but more to the point, I knew that my passion I bought boarding in there wasn't at that same level. So I thought I'm probably holding someone who would happily move country to fill these shoes. So I resigned. Oh, and then, <laughs> and then I moved to Berlin because my sister was living there. And I to thought Berlin? that was a- <laughs> Yes. Oh, how amazing. 
no. I had decided that I was going to become a musician. That was my calling. And so I'd simply moved to Berlin where I didn't speak the language, where I was a morning owl, when they're definitely a night owl. And um, You'd be discovered. <laughs> jo- mm, exactly. It's going to be that easy. And that's that divine optimism. It's going to be that yeah. easy. So uh, <laughs> I didn't know. Uh, so I, uh, my sister lived there. So I thought that was so cool. I stayed with her for a bit. And then I couldn't get a job because mein Deutsche is scheiße, is Schulegon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I couldn't speak German. Um, what else? Oh, I just, I just couldn't make it work. And so yeah. I remember visiting a friend in London. I remember going there. And when I got there, as soon as I got out there and what station was it? Whatever the main station is. I heard someone say, you're right, love. And I said to myself, I'm staying here I'm forever. I love the vibrancy, the immediacy, yeah. the urgency. I mean, I've never been as maybe creative, certainly not creatively prolific, but creatively inspired. You'd walk down the street and you'd see someone from the latest Harry Potter movie. You know, you go into a shop and see, you know, a superstar. People yeah. were living on their bones of their bricks to yeah. create something. Um, and I think <laughs> I was living in Hackney and I was <laughs> I was freelancing for Australian and New Zealand publications getting, you know, $50 an article, ching, ching, no mind if I do, translated to pounds. I think it's about, what, $10? I was close to 10 quid. (laughs) Exactly. And then (laughs) I would work in an agency during the day as their social media. um, I think I got demoted, you know, to the lowest of the run after somebody in the interview said, oh, so you're from, and I'm doing quote marks, New Zealand, are you, darling? Um, (laughs) And he said, no one cares about you. I I got there, you're Antipodean or you're from that colonial outpost and you'd just be like, oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. And I think (laughs) the global. With a bit of a giggle. Exactly. They don't take themselves too seriously, which is part of the joy, right, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and I think I was part of the global financial crisis. I couldn't get sponsorship or there was some kind of thing like that that made it tricky. So I had to work for 50 quid a day at the agency. That was after weeks of working for free. And then in the evenings to pay the bill, I'd work at a bowling alley where I would make literally the milkshakes. I would bring oh the milkshakes to the yard. <laughs> and well, I can't imagine you got paid p- very much there either, I was going to say, because I know uh, I went for a job in a pub and they said, Three pounds and three p per hour minus tax, and I went exactly. Oh my god! How does so anyone even you live? To be here? Yeah, totally. But you know what? When you're young, you know, like I, I know. every day I'd schedule my whole day around getting to the bowling alley at four p.m. because that's where staff meals were, where I could have deep fried chips, deep fried miscellaneous, and deep fried something else. And <laughs> <laughs> and you burn it off hustling, you know, hustling everywhere else. But um, I. I don't know, like you got paid, I think, eight pounds an hour maybe before tax. Right. Uh, and then you could work for tips. So, you know, you're getting your cleavage out and all that. And yeah. you're just socializing <laughs> and meeting people who are also broke. And there's something yeah. really kind of nice about that. Fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Totally. But um, one of the lessons so how long I learned. did you stay in London in the end then? Oh, not long, like eight months, nine months. I was just wrecked by the end of it. Um, right. And so I came back to New Zealand and I thought, oh, I'm finally home. And as soon as I flew back home, I thought, what have I done? Well, <laughs> this is all very small and, and not, <laughs> not London-like. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I came back to New Zealand, got um, you know, got my confidence back up, my energy back up, and then I saw a job in um, in Melbourne as a PR director at a agency, and I thought that sounded so cool. Right. I flew over for the interview, didn't bother you know, buying a return ticket, who does that? Blind optimism. And <laughs> uh, I got the job and far out. It was talk about, you know, the networks we make during our jobs in our office, you know, yeah. I was new to a country, uh, new campaigns, new clients, and I had to learn everything from scratch. I didn't even know what the daily newspaper was, but I must have talked, like I must have talked with such passion that they had to give me a job. Um, I'd and give then, you a job in a heartbeat if I was interviewing <laughs> you because you're so fun. I'm not surprised they would have said I'll have that straight away. <laughs> and let me tell you, you know, there are things in my CV which get you a foot in the door, but uh, – I think that my blind optimism have given me so many opportunities because I'm not saying uh, uh, what I what I 
understand through feedback that I'm communicating is I'm on team you and how yes. you see success is what I will become, whether or not that's good for my heart. Well, there's a little, little lessons on that. You know, I will become what you need me to do because I'll get the job done, whether it's sweeping floors or presenting to clients. I'm just happy to be here. And so I think that me. energy, yeah. exactly. Yeah, give me yes. something to wrestle with, play with. And when I get bored, I'll let you know, but that never happened because I kept burning myself out. So <laughs> I was made oh, redundant, oh, I think, eight months later. Um, and then a week later, uh, oh, 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 good. I don't have to get this chronically right. Um, and which then lent my arm into freelancing, which led to partnering with other agencies around Melbourne. And I'd meet anyone on anyone, any given day of the week, tell them what I could do and say, I could do anything for you. Uh, and then I got a series of freelancing clients and it's bloody great. So I'd get up at four. So my first round of freelancing clients get to the office. I was had a day right hang out. On, what, hang day. on, no, 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 go back. What do you mean get up at four? Why were you getting up so early? Well, I said yes to all these freelancing clients. Oh my giddy aunt! So you weren't going into their offices. They were all giving you work, and you'd said yes to so many that your day started at four a.m. to get through it all. Yeah, that's the logic. And look, Bloody some of them um, said, I oh, would prefer a day, right? So you come in certain days of the week and you're a part of the team, which I loved. It's a social part of a team, love yeah. that. And then others said, look, you know, I give two shits how you get it done. Here's the job. Here's the fee. See you next week. And so I would um, get up at four, get it done, and then i go to wherever my day rate might be. Then i come home and then start the next shift. Um, oh, so... my God, I can sense where the burnout might be coming very soon after this. That is outrageous, Rachel. <laughs> exactly. And, That's um, crazy talk. <laughs> exactly. When I replay it, I know it's crazy. But, you know, I was talking to another entrepreneur this morning and her background is PR as well, and I said, what was the shift that you noticed when you moved from working from someone else to working to yourself? And she said, oh, I didn't notice a shift in the energy or cadence because I'm used to working at such a pace. What I'm new to is the road of entrepreneurialism, which is continually articulating my vision as opposed to somebody else's somebody vision else's. and all the stuff that comes with that. So yeah. then I was freelancing, fast forward, fast forward, broke up with my long-term partner, slept with a how, colleague. How long-term? Broke up with him. Oh, oh, like oh, th- two years, three oh, years. Oh, okay. He hadn't been sort of with you and done the trip over from New Zealand and all that sort of thing. No, she was a New Zealander and she, she lived in sorry. Melbourne. Right. Oh, um, uh, uh, yeah. So okay. So, so that broke up. So you're heartbroken. You're in Melbourne <laughs> and you're burnt out. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking but forward luckily... to bringing back. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a lot of down. I know it sounds very dark, but I was. You know, I was intellectually stimulated. You were were flittering around having a great time just doing so much work and loving all of it. But I can imagine that your body's going, hang on, what about me? What about me? Exactly, exactly. But as if I was listening, you know, just shove a Panadol in, cold and flu tablet, keep going. (laughs) Stress is very slimming. I know it's bad, but it's a bit funny, but it's bad, but it's it's funny. It's funny and it's sad. And really, you know, the, the amazing thing is I've, I think I've interviewed about 140, 150 women now, and I would say at least half of them are burnt out. Yeah, Like you, sure. they, women push themselves too hard and don't give themselves that time to, as you say, let your brain kind of slow down a bit. Exactly. And, and I mean, I don't, I don't know if anyone, I certainly didn't realise how much it could affect your body if you didn't do it, that literally most of these women had to take to their bed for a year yeah. because they couldn't move. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, I've jumped ahead again, as yes. I'm always doing. Sorry. Oh. So. <laughs> so I um, broke up with um, that relationship, slept with a colleague, broke up with that in this disaster, <laughs> complete train wreck of my own making. Yes. Complete yeah. train wreck of my own making. And uh, what do we do? We make choices that uh, reflect ourselves back to ourselves. At, well, uh, at the but, time. Exactly. And so – I'm online. I remember exactly the cafe I'm at. I'm like, I'll be on, you know, I'll just have a quick Google what Beyonce's up to today, my spiritual healer. <laughs> and I'll just see where she's at. She's going to be in New York in a couple of weeks. Boom, book the ticket. Uh, went over there and I was there for two weeks and I cried every day for two weeks. Wow. Um, shopping, I was crying. Dean and DeLuca, I was crying. Whole Foods, I'm crying. Um, Are you getting lots of hugs from strangers who were going, no, oh, my God, you sad girl, let not. me give you a they, hug. Absolutely not. Who could care less about <laughs> Oh, no. So you just, oh, I'm sorry. I wish I'd been there. Oh, but it's, you know, like New York, I mean, 
I know. There's so much vibrancy of New York. While you can be alone, you don't need to feel alone. Um, and so certainly when I went to the Beyonce concert, I thought this is towards the end of my trip, but I was, oh, I'm ready. I'm ready for my spiritual awakening. Well, no, I'm stuck with myself, aren't I? Um, right. And then I saw my reflection in the subway on the way home. So Kate catching the subway home and I thought, yep. oh, that, oh, that's me. Oh, I'm the common denominator. Ah, um, and oh, that's that a moment, good revelation to have, though. I mean, a lot of people wouldn't have taken that look and thought that. Well, I think I had this Beyonce T-shirt on, the Beyonce bag, the Beyonce. <laughs> so it was a bit of a go my vibe. But do you know that feeling after a concert where everyone is singing or dancing yes. or, gosh, it's been a while since we've all been to a concert. There's a real vibe. And I thought, I'm the person in the corner sucking the vibe. Oh, it's me, you know. And oh. so... It was so wild. a big revelation to yourself. And so what happened when you came back? What did you decide to do then? <sighs> so I was living in a share house at the time. I went to my wardrobe where I had notepad upon notepad, just like these Moleskine notepads and old notepads. And I thought yeah. to myself, I've got no idea what I wrote down from therapy, but I haven't used any of this. And so, right. <laughs> so I thought, well, let's start from scratch. And I remember being at the desk saying from scratch going, where do I start? What do I need to kind of clarify with myself? And a tool that I'd picked up from working with clients is to always, before presenting something to a client, refine it to its most simplest elements. So if you can scribble something on a notepad and understand it in one to two sentences, you can then beef it up from there. So I just yeah. wrote a graph. What do I want? What do I want to have? What do I want to achieve? Right. What's getting in my right way? Right. And it's quite mechanical about it. But I would do this on Sunday, I think for after the gym. And yeah. having a coffee for one to two hours every Sunday. And every Sunday, I give myself a deadline to pop that on medium.com and just publish it. And, and I don't know, oh, it's wow. connected to my Twitter account. I just thought, isn't it cool? Oh, oh my like, God. Ooh. Are you saying your little <laughs> private notes to yourself suddenly went out to the world? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. And I was none the wiser. And so a friend of mine messaged me on Twitter. I figured out how to log into Twitter. And she said, yeah. I really enjoyed your blog on burnout. And I went, What blog was that? <laughs> <laughs> and, you oh, know, it's just this creative outlet. But, you know, the exhibitionist and me was privately thrilled, obviously. And so. <laughs> And so I was talking to a friend of mine to say, oh, I've done this I want list. And through that I want list, I've done six or seven variations. And on the sixth one, I actually wrote the truth to myself. So the first one was I want to be what my job is now, public relations. The second one is, oh, maybe a teacher, I don't know. And the sixth one was I want to be a motivational speaker. And I remember being at the kitchen table in my share house and actually hiding that from my housemates as I was writing it because it was too audacious, too scary, too... You know, it's a very different style as to... Well, it depends who you're living with as well at the time because if you... I know I have a lot of creative friends around me and then when I make a business goal, I just know it's not going to do anything in that space with those people. So was it a bit more like that? Like I don't want to go out and say I don't want to do all this businessy stuff when, you know, you all want to be actresses and musicians (laughs) and artists Exactly. Well, it was so interesting because those people that I live with have turned out to be my biggest advocates and as they have been since day one, they just loved, supported everything. I hadn't yet given myself permission to be what I really wanted to be inside. I hadn't ever stopped to think about what that was. I just happened to be anywhere for the ride off. Superstar, happy to do that. You know, I hadn't ever stopped to go, (laughs) what would I like? I thought, oh, well, well, you know, you wouldn't have to pay me to be a motivational speaker. I'm happy to talk to talk to well, my dog and whoever's listening. I'm happy to speak to an envelope. Speak up, open your envelope, love it. Um, and so I told a friend about I, it know, and that was and very I didn't, scary. I didn't actually because I don't research people before these interviews so that it's all fresh for me. I had no idea you were a motivational speaker, but I'll tell you right now, I would love to see you speak because you are so bubbly <laughs> and fun. I can only imagine that you're brilliant at it. Oh, well, we, what do we say? We figure out what you're good at and do it with people you respect and admire and anything's possible. Everything you know, I just, I'm happy okay. to speak about the virtues of a mouse or a pen. I'm, I'm a perpetual cheerleader. So, so okay, <laughs> so you decide you want to do it, but how does one go about becoming a, a sort of, you know, as a career, a yeah. motivational speaker? What did you do? 
Exactly. Well, I uh, told a friend about it over brunch in Fitzroy, and I thought that was quite bold telling her. I wouldn't have to do anything if I told her. And she said, great, well, why don't you do a talk about it? And I was like, oh, but what would I talk about? And she was like, your burnout, dum-dum. And I was like, well, who would care about that? It's a bit. Uh, and About she said, half oh, you... the female working population, I would think. <laughs> and, and that's what I learned. That's what I learned. So I did a talk at General Assembly, who's here in Melbourne, and they're a global education company, and they regularly invite people to have a have a talk at, in the foyer, which is where I did. Yep. I think about 10 people were there, including my sister and now and now current staff. And because I'm a PR, I'd invited a photographer. And she said, right, oh, get them girl. all at the front and shoot it in black and white or make it look like it's really full. Yeah, and so that was beautiful black and white photos of me in jeans and high heels. And I shared, look, anti-burnout, here's a prescription, here's how you do it, here's a tool, here's a framework, because I've been taught in presentations. Don't tell me about your inspiration without the how. You know, yeah. an okay. idea, who doesn't have ideas? Execution, execution. And so I did that, and G- General Assembly, very generously said, oh, what else have you got? You got a workshop in this? And I went, oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah, of course, I'll whip one up. <laughs> So I did a workshop at their beautiful Melbourne offices and yeah. somebody in the audience said, who attended that workshop said, hey, this is great. Here's my business card. Would you mind just sending me your corporate rates? And that's when I went, yeah, 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 totally can do that. Totally. But you know what? I'm not feeling any kind of fear during this point. I'm just like Beyonce has delivered. This is yes. my dream brief. And so from and also, that, mm-hmm. did, were you also thinking, what have I got to lose? Like the worst thing that can happen is I'll go back to, you know, working for someone else or doing something differently, but exactly. why not give it a shot? Exactly. And that's the, we've talked about it kind of um, uh, uh, in jest about the, about the uh, enthusiastic optimism, but it's also an abundance mindset to say there yeah. is more of everything out there when I'm bringing good energy um, and when I'm bringing a positive intent and a, a very authentic intent with our ego to say, hey, I'm here to support you. What does that look like? Here are my skills. Are they any use? Cool. You want some new yeah, ones? Have to go get some. Yeah. So I think uh, there's a lot of pressure to have your purpose and everything right. And or you can just think about how do I share what I'm, I can figure out how to do with other people in a genuine way. Then that's really yeah. exciting. And um, but I hadn't spent a day in corporate apart from a six-month job in a bank that I'll never forget. And to this day, I have no idea what my job was. No idea. No idea. I think I, oh, anyway, I must have forgot that off the story. My only time in a bank was with Coots Bank in London, which you probably know on the Strand, which is the Queen's Bank and the Beckham's Bank. And I went in as the, I put together their brand book for them, I think it was, but I just remember thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, like I never thought I'd work in a bar. I don't think they'd ever had anyone like me. I think I still turned up in blundstones and jeans every day, even though they were in frock coats and top hats at the front door. Wow. Did you have the pink hair back then? That would have been a real good. No, 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 no. Long, I think I had long cherry red hair then. Ooh, do Who know. knows? Anyway, okay. So, so from the speaking, when did the um, happiness concierge sort of come about? Yes. Yeah, so I had been doing this blog as the happiness concierge. I'd right. come up with that fitness concierge from my blog, and I hadn't thought much more about it. And then we did this corporate rate, and I thought people want to pay me to. I mean, never say no. What? But really, yeah. <laughs> And what I've learned is to never worry about who else is out there doing anything. If they've asked you, just say yes and get on with it. And so I said yes and got on with it. And then banks started to call. And then I just I'd speak everywhere, opening an envelope, you know, uh, um, any right. women's networking group. I would email them and say, Hey, I've got a story. If you would like a speaker, here's an example. Here's a sample. Here's a photo. Um, I would and be always honored. charging, or were you in never the early charging. days doing it for never. free? Never, yeah. no, do it for free. You know, and and. Uh, uh, for me, I what's the way to say this? I'm very I was very open to charging, but I hadn't yet figured out what was the unique value that wasn't already out there. Who can't Google a TED talk on a burnout, you know? Yeah, but right. what I did not understand was that the pragmatic nature of what I teach, which is the how do we do this and That's how do we take difference. steps combined with Obviously, you've had experience of my energy and my yes. vibrancy combined with a positive, you can do it, uh, delivery is, was quite unique 
uh, is, is unique. That's the feedback yeah. I've received. So once someone told me that, I got on with figuring out what my rates were, didn't I? And, um, <laughs> and went, so oh, then, I'm going to put an extra zero on it. It is for corporates. Yeah. <laughs> or any zero. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, it was great. I had people in my network in every part of the way uh, from supporting me through, Rachel, don't sleep with your workmates. It's not good. All the way through <laughs> to, you know, I remember a, um, a close friend of mine who works in finance, her saying, this is really good, Rach. And I was like, that's what people are saying. How cool is that? Aren't they lovely? She goes, yeah, so do you know that you can charge for this? And I was like, oh, how would I do that? And she's telling me this and I've got to do this, got to do that. So I've done all that. And then, um, yeah, throughout the whole way, there have been people beside me who do not seek the spotlight, but they're on Team Rach. And they're all the right. times feeding me little snippets Perfect. like, go to that firm, do that, go over there. They're not wanting to be a part of the journey and please don't thank them in a, you know, thank you speech, no thank you. They're just on Project Rach. And so I figured out how to do it that way. And the actual happiness concierge team grew when I was thinking one burnout, that's a lesson. Two burnouts, that's a good story. Three burnouts as a happiness concierge, that will up in the brand. So right. then I reached out to get a team, onboarded them, taught them on my frameworks, expanded, and the rest is continuing right. history. <laughs> oh, my God, you're so amazing. Talk to me about the book then. When did the book come about and, and what's it all about? I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a guess, but I want you to confirm it. Tell me what oh, it's about. yes. It is the essential guide to personal growth. There's one thing I know for sure, it's that there is a formula to growth and yep. no matter where you are in the cyclical cycle, you can jump in and any part of that cycle and get a concrete uh, um, guide as to how to go about that from what these growing pains might feel like, why do I feel disconnect between my private self and my public self to reassurance yeah. thousands of people feel the same way to here are the tools to do that all the way through to what to expect when you're growing. And some people may support that. And if and when other people don't always understand that, here are tools and scripts of what to say all the way with a pep talk at the end. And it's based on my six years of one-on-one -on -one interviews with people who would come to me privately and say, I know you offer this, but can I talk to you about something I'm experiencing where I feel like what I'm doing and what I'm thinking are not on the same page. And I would yeah, use right. these frameworks very openly from yeah. Mojo School, as I've talked about before, the I want list, how to say no. And I'd, I'd apply my own uh, tools that I do live, but it wasn't until I sat down recently with the gift of having a team at home some time uh, to go, okay, so, oh, this is a formula. This is an unmarkable formula to growth yeah, whether you're wow. going forwards or, or the other way around. So the actual writing of it didn't take that long, but the distilling of thinking to think, how could I make this as simple as possible? So anyone from whether it's I've got my daughter going off to university and she's not sure what she wants to do all the way through to I'm an entrepreneur and I have a business and I hate my business. <laughs> oh, I'm tired. <laughs> All the way through two people in corporate saying, so I've, I've got the great job, I've got the great partner and, and um, offspring if I've chosen to do that. Well, I don't know, I feel fulfilled. That's what yeah, I've heard. And I think, well, I certainly know a lot of women that I get to that stage. Particularly, yeah, I can think, what am I now, 54? I reckon about in our early 40s, a whole lot of friends of mine that had worked in corporate were having exactly that moment. What am I doing and why, yes. you know, do I want to keep doing this for the rest of my life? Yes, there has to be more, you know, yeah. is this it? There has to be more, yeah. And sometimes it doesn't need to be a lot more in order for it to be enough, but for other people it needs to be a completely dramatic change. So exactly. depends on the person. Oh. oh, my goodness, I'm just <laughs> loving everything I'm hearing. All right, now along the way, because this is a podcast about business women. I always like to give people the opportunity, if you've had some great women that have helped you along the way, are you interested in maybe telling me a story about one or two of them and oh. we can do a little shout out because oh. there's a lot of women that aren't famous that should be celebrated, I guess, is, is probably where I'm coming from. Yes. Well, obviously, if I had the honour to elect one woman, it would have to be my mum. Yeah, good. And it'd be no super, yeah, good girl. Yeah. yeah good, good. <laughs> And, you know, uh, not only has her own story been inspiring from growing up the way she grew up to seeking, pursuing education, to then higher education, to then raising a family of five, to then making sure that each one of our five children had both uh, the presence and the continual love and the attention 
to then support us, us five are very different, to support us to pursue what we wanted to pursue. You know, that's oh, nothing yep. short of inspirational. And, you know, every couple of weeks when we have a, have a chat, a video call, we're often swapping research and what have you found that data and what are you learning in your workshops? Well, here's what I'm hearing. Having oh, someone really? you can have a – With your mum? Yes, yes. Oh, she's my mum says she doesn't even want to know what I do. <laughs> Which is pretty and hard. When it's, boundaries can be loved too, you know. Jess. Yes, true. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, yeah. so your mum, huge inspiration, obviously. Any oh, any women yeah. on your sort of career path that have been yeah. very lovely to you? Definitely. So um, many of my uh, network like are very private, but one of them who works in finance is someone who's been a friend to me during my darkest period. And every time as I did a bit of business growth, I go onto my website and say, Wait, it's just a note to say that looks really good. I'll introduce you to or this person is great oh. or that's great. They've really helped me. And there have also been CEOs who I've gone to to invite for breakfast and let's get to know you. But they've had the time to sit down with me and say, great, so here's a strategic, here's an organizational chart. And then we go, great, what's that? You know, me to ask all those <laughs> silly questions uh, along with executives and now in some of the firms that I'm supporting where I've been able to go, hey, I'm having this tricky, um, tricky challenge with a uh, team member, how might I have an empowering discussion? Can you help me with some tools to do that? So I think what I'd probably say, there would definitely be some pivotal people, but at every part of the way, there have been people who have been on my team and it took me a long time to see that as opposed to, you know, people everywhere want you to win um, and letting them help you is sometimes the work. It's it's so, look, I I have to say, with She's the Boss has been so different for me because you, you have to let people, I mean, there are so many people who do want to help and you have to let them. And I, the hardest thing that I have found is how to use people who want to help to, to help. <laughs> it's, yes. just, it's, a, it's a crazy thing. So that's great that they've also kind of given you a bit of guidance on, um, you know, this is how I can help you and yes. you can use it this way. But you're right, acknowledging. I think the first thing is to acknowledge to yourself that you're happy and that you're doing something that you love and then, you know, the right people will come. Exactly. And I think that gives hopefully your listeners the hope if you're ever at a time where you think, how am I going to pull that out? Or I can't afford a team member or whatever the challenge might be, that there are oodles of people that are out there who do know you and some who don't know you yet that want you to win. Everybody yes. wants you to win. And if you can just get it through that, oh, this is a bit tough or growing pains period, there are people on the other side and we can't wait to meet you. So thanks for being patient. And you can do this. Oh, my goodness. You are so adorably wonderful. All right. Um, I'm going to just touch on this. We, oh, no, we probably well, – look, give me – if have there been a pivotal moment in, in the building of your business? So I'm guessing happiness concierge is really what we need to be talking about where something has happened other than a burnout where you've gone, oh, my God, this is a disaster. What am I going to do? <laughs> and looked back later and gone, I'm so glad that happened because look what it, 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 how it changed my direction or whatever. Have you got yes. one of those you could share? Oh, I've got so many of those. <laughs> um, oh. A big one. Oh, I don't want to put you on the one. spot. If there's not one coming to mind, it doesn't no, matter. No, there, no, there is. Um, I did this exercise a few months ago when I was mapping out my book of milestones at Happiness Concierge and what the growing pain was and what the learning was. So I've got many. But one that comes to mind is, you know, when I first started Happiness Concierge, people who are much further in their journey kept saying, well, you have to scale and you have to get a team and all that. And I was – I'm really interested in building a multi-billion dollar business. And I find that interesting and fascinating. I'm a student of business. I'm really interested in that. Um, What I, um, when it came to getting a teen, I significantly underestimated the emotional energy it would take to be, uh, as an entrepreneur, I'm someone in the past who had to just be whoever I needed to be in the room, come up with a document. It It didn't exist, create it. And when it came to bringing on a team, they're coming to you because they're obviously inspired by your your vision. They believe in you as a person and a leader. And to enable them to succeed, that consistency around the rigor of documentation, expectations, clarification of when a job is done. You know, for an entrepreneur who will always do the most for the least, uh, I was yeah. I had to go through a lesson of how do I ask people to do the most for the most while not burning myself out while trying to grow a team. If I onboard a team and then pass out later, well, 
as they say, as entrepreneurs say, you can't outsource your vision. So um, I definitely have a lot more boundaries in place now, which is no mark against the incredible team. That's more about me learning how to, just learning how to be. Yeah. Manage be in a grown-up job with a grown-up team for a grown-up company. That's something I was interested in, but it took me a long, long time to feel as though two feet were on the ground and I had my head properly around that, um, not only from a confidence perspective in my leadership, but also from a right. So that's your job and that's my job. Great. So, right. Okay, great. So I don't need to do everything. Changing my lane and working yes. with an executive coach helped me, um, help me create the space to empower people to do their best work while creating space for me to, to have the time to do things like this, to share my story. Yeah, yeah the only I can do. Yeah, so yes, that's right. And and oh, you just all your advice is fabulous. All right, now talk to me as somebody who's been burnt out twice about juggling work and life. How are you doing it now? What is your? What sort of hours are you working? And do you have weekends off and evenings off, or does it all blur together a bit? Yeah, exactly. Uh, the former. So previously, oh, the first few years, it was just. Every day, all the time, all the time, every day. And so now it's much different where I don't work evenings and I don't work weekends. And that might sound really eye roll to some of your listeners. But for me, that's a huge difference in the way that I approach work. But also um, now the business is at a stage where we can afford resources to do an incredible job job together. I don't need to be adding value in places that aren't my unique skill set, blah, 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 highest value, exciting, exciting. Um, So from a schedule perspective, Mondays are big picture days where I'm thinking about the strategy, the vision, the marketing, the media, getting our message out there. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is executional, client meeting, client meeting, sales, sales, client meeting, sales. And then uh, 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 Friday is meeting-free Friday at Happiness Concierge. And it's just internal check-ins and going, okay, so did we wrap the bow on that client this week? Great. What can we do to recognize that team member, making sure everything is wrapped around. And a huge part of my job is quality control, ensuring that what we're de- selling is matching our, our client's experience and what we're delivering. Because, um, you know, I think what makes us different is a lot of things in terms of our personality, our directive, our how. Um, and I think it takes persistent and consistent focus on is this a 10 out of 10 experience, product delivery, document, online, a Vimeo link, a continual focus on that. And then the whole team is uplisted as a result. So there's a lot of focus on quality control, which sounds nerdy, but I've received no, no, feedback that that's how you keep all. your brand um, valuable and strong in market. Yes, I was going to say it just sounds smart, really. Um, Okay, here we go now into the silly questions, which are, you know, a bit of light relief, really. A a journalist gave me this one and I love it. Is there a quirky fact that most people don't know about you that you'd be up for sharing? I think it could be anything. Well, uh, no, I think I've shared most of my non-secrets. A raging introvert, raging introvert who's probably good to socialise once a month. And (laughs) Beyonce obsession, what's something quirky you don't know about me? Oh, I think it'd be. Have you? Oh, um, I I can wiggle my ears, which bit of a boring. Can't see with these earphones. I thought I thought I was the only one. My dad. That's not just Botox, baby. That's that's a talent right there. That is. It is. It's. It's all about your. I do it too, but I think it's about your scalp muscles. But my dad could do it, so I taught myself. There you go. Uh, Quirky fact is that while I'm in the business of like you are accountable, you in control, it's all about you and the decisions you make. I love a daily horoscope because it's like, what are you going to do? It's in the stars. So I think I like, (laughs) I like moments to just say, look, spiritually alignment. That's what's happening. I I was going to say you a bit like, (laughs) so I love a horoscope, but I'm very selective about the ones I believe. And so if they're really positive, well, if I get a really positive one, I go, oh yeah, fantastic. God, I love the horoscope this week. Can't wait for the week to start. And you read it and it says you're going to have a difficult week. And I'm going, what rubbish? I never pay any attention. Oh, who would take that seriously? Yeah, exactly. And so much to the point where we've had um, biannual uh, psychic sessions for our team building twice a year. So twice a year we do uh, reward and recognition uh, where it's more formal. And then twice a year it's like let's just do something fun. And we often get a trusted psychic to create a team vision for us for the six months ahead. So I'd highly recommend that. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I'd love that. I think that sounds great. Okay. Um, do you use your phone for business? And if so, what are your two favorite apps? And I only ask this because I'm obsessed with my phone. 
lots of women tell me that they don't. But, and, and I'm not talking banking and social media because I'm going to take that as a given an email. But oh. are there any clever apps that you have used before? No. Oh, I'm okay. old school. I'm like, love to get on the phone and have a chat. If someone texts me, I'll call them back. You know, I'm just old school. So apart from the social media apps for work, I just – I wouldn't know what to. I wouldn't know how what. Right, so oh, I use ABC my for kids, yeah, for my nephew. <laughs> right, no, I'm much more Canva for making my little, you know, graphics for my phone, oh, and then Jotnot. Jotnot is Ooh. a brilliant one I've been using forever that um, turns your phone into a scanner, so you can take a photo of something and it processes it as black and white. So if someone sends you a form that you need to sign, you can take a photo of it, sign it, take a photo nice. and send it back. Oh, Very my gosh, clever. you're amazing. Oh, oh no, amazing. Well, I've, I've, I've been asking a lot of people about a lot of apps <laughs> as well along the way. Um, all right, Rachel, thank you so much for this interview. If anyone wants to book you for a talk, and I'm sure anyone who listens to this will, oh. or to go and do one of your courses or whatever, what is the best way for them to get hold of you or find you? Yes, jump onto happinessconcierge.com or look up Happiness Concierge on every social media platform and or find me on LinkedIn, uh, Rachel Service, as in great or amazing service, or send me an email, yes. Rachel at Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L, at happinessconcierge.com. Me or one of my team will uh, be excited to receive your inspiring message. Oh, well, look, I feel absolutely blessed that you did this interview. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. You have easily been the most fun and happy of anyone I've interviewed. So that's wonderful. Well, thank you for the gift of the work that you're doing, Jules. And I do want to acknowledge what an impact it makes hearing other people's stories that you share in your oh, podcast. So great questions and cut through the buzzwords to get to the real heart of it. I can't tell you what a gift that is. So thank you for the work that you do, including behind the scenes, I'm sure. Wow, my pleasure. Well, it's just been a delight. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au.